Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Well, it is a joy to uh, be here. I love Daryl. We meet pretty much once a month. We've done that for a lot of years. <laughs> and we're still friends. So, so that is great news. And it is a joy and an honor uh, to be here. Our passage this morning I want to focus on is Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6. If you do have a Bible, I encourage you to turn there. Let me read that. This is God's word. This is the word that came to Jeremiah. In fact, I'm going to have you stand because I know you've been sitting all morning. I'm going to have you stand as I read. This is the word that came to Jeremiah from the Lord. Go down to the potter's house and there I will give you my message. So I went down to the potter's house and I saw him working at the wheel. But the pot he was shaping from the clay was marred in his hand. So the potter formed it into another pot, shaping it as it seemed best to him. Then the word of the Lord came to me. He said, can I not do with you, Israel, as this potter does, declares the Lord? Like clay in the hand of the potter, so are you in my hand, Israel. This is the word of the Lord. Father, thank you so much for the privilege that we have to sit under your word. And thank you for your word. Father, I pray that each of us will come this morning, whether it's here in the worship center here or online, that our posture will be open hands to say, Lord, teach me what you have for me this day, not only to hear, but what action would you have me to do as a result of what I do here? So, Lord, we commit this time to you, and we ask this in your name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, if you notice, there's I have some clay pots on the front here, and there's um, different sizes and shapes. I could have a lot more different kinds of pots. Um, as are all kinds, and all those were formed with a lump of clay. Now, I've had this lump of clay in my hand this morning. When I started out, it was very hard. <laughs> but it's been interesting. As I have been working it, it's hard to see, but it is very moldable now because of how I've been working it in my hands. And it's interesting when, you know, Jeremiah was a prophet, was from the book that I read, was a messenger of God's justice and grace, of God's judgment and hope to the children of Israel. To help Jeremiah understand his, his God and what he was doing, and for the instruction of Jeremiah's own soul and for his preparation for his difficult ministry the Lord had for him, Jeremiah was sent to the house of the potter. In the house of the potter, Jeremiah was given a glimpse of what God was doing. May it also give us a glimpse of what God is doing in our lives. So, going down into the potter's house, there are four subjects that catch our attention. One is the potter, a very intelligent, capable worker. The wheel is the proper instrument under the control of the potter. And notice that the revolving wheel is due to the potter's foot pressure. And the clay, a very capable material, the very stuff the potter wants. And then the house. Now, this is not where the potter lives, but his workplace. 
It provides the cover upon which the potter would fashion his vessel in all kinds of weather. And this building would also make it possible to control the drying process before firing. So looking at the four subjects in all their simplicity, let's look at some kind of surface lesson, shall I say. Notice what the Lord told Jeremiah in verse 2. I will give you my message. The Lord has some important lessons that he does not want Jeremiah to miss. May you and I not miss these also. The potter. Watch the potter and learn of God's interest, attention, and power. What a help to see a potter at work before our very eyes. And I've had a chance to do that. It is fascinating, isn't it? How they take a lump of clay and they think, what are they going to do with that? And they mold it into an absolutely beautiful piece. But I want you to join me. Let's look in and watch the potter. See him working very closely at his work. You can detect a keen interest in his eyes as he's at work. First, see his power, first restrained to the gentleness of an infinite delicacy, then crushing everything out of shape, yet again, molding it back into exquisite beauty. And notice how the potter puts pressure on the clay to form, as verse says for it, shaping it as seems best to him. And notice also the use of his hands, a very personal touch. It's not done on an assembly line. What an incredible portrait of God, isn't it? Genesis 1 and 2, we are told, and God said, and things were made. Now, he could have said the same thing when he made man, but he didn't. And it says in verse 7, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils and man became a living being. Psalm 119.73 says, your hands have formed me. I love that. It's a personal touch. There's an incredible interest that he has to us and it's throughout scripture, particularly in Matthew 10.30. But the very hairs of your head are all numbered. Now for some of us, that's not a big thing, right? But for others, it is. But it really does show God really does care. The potter. The wheel. The whirling wheel, what I would call of circumstances. Christ is very busily occupied with us during the busy working days of the week. In the midst of the week, with its whirl and its drive, its drive and its tensions, its restlessness and its race, God is able to do his best work with men and women Students, children, you and me. Sometimes we just need to slow down and not miss what God wants to show us and what he is doing in our lives. It's easy to miss it, isn't it? In the thick of life, whether you have young children, whether you're empty nesters, whether you're in school, whatever it might be, it really is sometimes easy to miss what God is doing because you're so focused. Well, having looked at the potter and the wheel on the surface, let's look at the clay. It has wonderful capacity. It's very moldable and pliable as it allows the potter to work with it. It's the very stuff the potter wants. And we are the very stuff that God wants. 
Psalm 139.17 says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. Genesis 2.7, that God formed the man from the dust of the ground. In Genesis 1.31, after God had made man, what did he say? It was very good. It is in us, my friends, that God wants to do something in, in the universe that he cannot do in any other way. God has made and shaped each of us in a certain way to show a side of God that no other person does. Wow. I don't know about you, but that gets me excited. You are one of a kind. There's no repeats. And each of us gives a picture of God to this world that no other person does. When you're working with clay, the centering is very important on the wheel. If, if it's off center, it can't make anything good. Everything is off perspective. And I love Colossians 1, 17 and 18. For we're told, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now catch this. So that he might have come to have first place in everything. How important it is that Christ is the very center of our lives. The potter, the wheel, the clay. And now we come to the potter's house. As the potter's house provides cover for the wheel upon which the potter would fashion his vessel in all kinds of weather, so the church is to provide the cover for us as God is fashioning us in all kinds of weather, shall we say. God has chosen the church to use the church, the body even in, in all of its imperfections, Let's face that, we're not perfect, but to encourage us, to strengthen us, to help us have a bigger perspective as he is breaking us and molding us into his image throughout the week. And how I pray that his church, how I pray that as his church, you would look for ways to do that for each other, such as maybe offer to pray for someone and then pray right then. Send a text, an email, a postcard, a letter with some encouraging scripture or thoughts. Call someone asking them what they would like prayer for and then pray over the phone right then. How many times do we say, I'll pray for you and then we forget? Do it right then. Those are just some practical ways on how God wants to use the church in, as he's molding us and forming us. Well, let's move to some deeper lessons on, on these Examples and pulling it all together. Three matters must be carefully observed. So in the potter's house, first of all, discovered to man is a principle. Secondly, revealed to man is a purpose. But ultimately and of supreme matter is neither the principle nor the purpose, but the person of the potter, the principle. It is the total sovereignty of God and the necessity of complete submission to it. The potter has absolute, absolute right over and power over the clay. Isaiah 45, 9 says, Woe to the man who fights the creator. Does the pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with him who forms it, saying, Stop, you're doing it all wrong. Or the pot exclaim, How clumsy can you be? 
Romans 9, 20 and 21 says this. Who are you to criticize God? Should the thing made say to the one who made it, why have you made me like this? When a man makes a jar out of clay, doesn't he have the right to use the same lump of clay to make one jar beautiful to be used for holding flowers and another to hold water? Isaiah 29, 16. You turn things all around. Shall the potter be considered as equal with the clay that, you, that what is made say to its maker, you did not make me? Or what is formed say to him who formed it, he has no understanding. God's sovereignty. He will do anything he wants to do bound only by his good and godly character. If removing an individual from a situation that produces pain is a part of his master plan, that person will be rescued. If not, God has another purpose for the life of that person that is guaranteed to bring him the most glory, period. My mother died of cancer at age 49 years old. I was 22, 23 at the time. We prayed for healing. We brought the elders in. We prayed and anointed oil. We never questioned God's power nor his ability to heal. But the issue really was his sovereignty. Whether he healed her or took her, we really did desire God to be glorified. Well, he did take her. And I can say that the Lord was glorified. But you know what? I still do not totally understand why he took her so early. He never, she never met my wife. She's never met our two kids nor our grandkids. I still don't understand. Chuck Swindoll in his books, Improving Your Serve, claims these two truths. The first truth is nothing touches me that has not passed through the hands of my heavenly father. Nothing. Everything, second truth Everything I endure is designed to prepare me for serving others more effectively. Everything. Joel Freeman in his book, God is Not Fair, says this. Submitting to God's sovereignty keeps us in the position of humble servants who are available with tender hearts to serve him regardless of the uncontrollable, life-changing events that help determine our lot in life. We studiously avoid the satanic snares of trying to evaluate the fairness of our particular set of circumstances and by comparing our lives with those of others. How easy it is, is it not to do that? First, Peter tells us in 1 Peter 5 to cast all your anxieties and, and your cares on him. But then he goes on to say in verses 10 and 11, and the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself, I love that, restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. Wow, that's powerful. The wheel is under the complete control of the potter and the pressure constantly doesn't it not press it, brings us and presses us in to the potter's hand. But let's face it, we can feel that pressure sometimes and we react to it, don't we? 
In Hebrews 3, we are told we can get a, a hardness of heart and we've got to be careful of that. But encourage one another daily, as long as it is called today, so that none of you may be hardened by sin's deceitfulness. And sin does do that. Satan wants us to have that hard, hardness of heart. In verse 15, he says, today, if you hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. So it's important to respond to situations with the breaking and molding that God is doing in our lives. I remember when I was between jobs before I came to um, Knox, I was six months in between jobs. And I remember doing all these applications and interviews. And I was so focused, you know, on, on future stuff. And one of the kids I discipled had grown up and I was keeping in touch with him and as I was sharing with him my journey about all these interviews and everything, he just had me stop me. He says, Tom, I, he says, I think you're so focused on looking on the future that you're missing what God wants to show you right now. And I told him to shut up, you know. <laughs> no, I mean, I go, what are you? you, you, you I trained you, you know, what, what is that? But he was true. I truly was missing the things that God wanted me to see um, because I was so focused on what was down the road. Sometimes we want to take shortcuts. Isn't, isn't it true? It's much easier. They always look more appealing and inviting. But when we do take them, we, we can completely miss something, I believe, beautiful that God wants to show us and miss a beautiful time of intimacy with God. Shortcuts must be avoided at all costs. And sometimes God puts an obstacle in our way to slow us down. To remind us of him and all that he has been teaching us. Each time we reach an obstacle on our journey, stop to notice what God wants us to see. We need to embrace the obstacles instead of complaining about them. Which enables us then to hear from God and to receive blessings that he has prepared for us. And the Lord can help us do that. Don't try to do that on your own. What did 1 Peter 5.11 say? The Lord himself will restore you and make you strong, firm, and steadfast. So the principle is, God is absolutely sovereign over human life. And that man's wisdom lies in the unconditional and uncompromising surrender to the will of God. But don't leave me here. You see, if we stop with God's sovereignty's, with his sovereignty, right, and power, I only tremble. Maybe even rebel. But this moves us to the second matter, and that is of purpose. What is the purpose revealed? Well, the truth is the potter was not fooling around with the clay. He wasn't playing with it or amusing himself with it. In the midst of life, with its problems and pressures, with its oft-times agonies, isn't it comforting to know that God is not playing with us? That when the potter took the clay and put it in his, on the wheel and placed it, his hand upon it, he meant something. He has a clear vision of what he is doing. And you know what, folks? God wants to use you like no other. The clay to the potter is a vehicle of vision. 
God gains in humanity an instrument of revelation, each person showing a side of God that no one else can. That's even when we mess up, how we deal with that really demonstrates and shows God. The clay lies on the wheel with no wish and, right, and no right per se, but with infinite possibility. Yet with no power within itself to realize the possibility of what God is able to do in and through us. But don't be fooled. Satan does not want us to see these possibilities. He loves to discourage us. Satan is the God of hopelessness. God is the God of hope. Satan wants us to believe that we are damaged goods. That we are beyond hope. That he shames us because of what we have done. God never shames us through the Holy Spirit. He will convict us. But shame is attacking the person. You liar. That's not from God. God will say, you lied over here. There's a big difference. Satan always attacks our character. God always points out the sin and the wrong. We must look at our life through the eyes of God and realize that nothing, I would say this again, nothing is beyond his healing touch and he uses anything and everything for a purpose. And there is purpose in it. You know, many times we quote Romans 8, 28 and 29 and it's really great thing. All things work together for the good. It doesn't mean everything is good that comes across our path because of sin. But it does say God works everything for the good. Why? To conform us into the likeness of his son. So, if I only discover the principle, my heart is filled with fear because of God's sovereignty. In recognition of the purpose, I find comfort, but I must inquire, what is this purpose? But it isn't until I see the person that these two come into perspective. So I want us to go back to the potter's house, and let's watch him at work. I watch the feet that turn the wheel and controls the circumstances. I watch the hands that press on the clay to mold us and conform us into his image. Can you look? I want you to watch, look in closely at those hands and feet. I see wound prints. In his eyes are eyes of deep love and care. Jeremiah 31.3 says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. I have drawn you with loving kindness. What tenderness. In Jesus, the great potter comes into view that we might see him and know him. It is the person of the potter, which is the supreme matter of this great analogy. And when I was preparing this, I could not help but think of the story of Johnny. Now, this is several years ago, many, many years ago. Um, she's actually 73 right now. But when she was 17, she dived into a pool and became, and became a quadriplegic. During her two years of rehabilitation, she experienced anger, depression, suicidal thoughts, and religious doubts. At one point, 
she came to this conclusion, and I quote, rather than getting hung up on the why, I am going to spend the rest of my life getting to know the person who does know why. She did not become a victim role, but rather submitted to God's sovereignty. And I don't know if you know anything about Johnny to this day. This was on her website. I want you to catch this. She is 73 years old and is an author, radio host, singer, speaker, artist, serves on several committees, and is founder of Johnny and Friends, an organization accelerating Christian ministry to the disability community as a quadriplegic. (laughs) Oh, my. She embraced the obstacle, did she not, that was put before her and looking for ways that God could use the obstacle and her for his glory. That is just outstanding to me. We just watched a documentary on Corey Ten Boom, um, Faith, I forget, Faith Undefeated. And Corey makes this comment, I thought it was very appropriate for this. And this is from her own words when she was speaking. Look around and be distressed. Look within and be depressed. But look at Jesus and be at rest. He really does help us, does he not, to put things in perspective. And I love this passage in 2 Corinthians 4, where it talks about it is Jesus Christ who gives us the best picture of God that we'll ever get. Remember, our message is not about ourselves. We are proclaiming Jesus Christ the master. All we are is messengers, errands runners for Jesus, for you. And it started when God said, light up the darkness. And our lives filled up with light as we saw and understood God in the face of Christ, all bright and beautiful. If you only look at us, you might miss the brightness. We carry this precious message around with the unadorned clay pots of our ordinary lives. But that's to prevent anyone from confusing God's incomparable power with us. God, I say this again, God wants to show off who he is through these broken vessels of ours. Through these lumps of clay, but vessels who have been made in his image and for his glory. Breaking and molding. That is what God is trying to do in our lives. And I ask you, How are you responding to it? Are you moldable in his hands? Praise God if you are. Our overall response should be praise and glory to what God is doing in us and through us. And I know that God is doing a work here at this church in breaking and molding people. Praise the Lord for that. Keep your eyes on him always. Don't give up. As a church... I again encourage you, look for ways to encourage and strengthen others and to help point them to Jesus. Or maybe, maybe you have become hard. You've had some very hard and difficult things happen to you. You are actually very angry at God. Tell him. Take it to him. My understanding of God, he can handle it. (laughs) He's, He's pretty big. 
Be honest. That's why I love the Psalms, right? So many of the Psalms are just raw, honest feelings. And, and God put them in his inspired word to give us permission to be that honest. Maybe some of you need to confess to God right now your hardness and say as your prayer, have thine own way, Lord. Maybe for some of you, you have tried to figure out your life and all that is going on, but you've been trying to do it from your own perspective. Maybe you know of the potter, but you do not know him personally as Savior and Lord. Why not respond today to God's call in your life and enter into a relationship with him? He will help you piece all of that together. Corey Ten Boom also gave this example um, of an embroidery piece, and I wish I had a picture of this, but if you ever looked on the back of an embroidery piece, it makes no sense. It's, it's crazy. And when you turn it around, it's this beautiful picture. And she says, you know, that is exactly what God was doing in her life. It didn't make any sense in the times when it was extremely low for her um, and the threat in the concentration camps. But as she looks back now, God was weaving a beautiful thing with her. If you are here this morning and you do not know this incredible Jesus, um, I do encourage you to respond. And you respond by just basically acknowledging, acknowledging that you're a sinner and that Christ died on the cross for you by faith asking him to come in. And he promises to not only come in, but to make you a brand new person in sight. I want us to just close by some, spending some time in just thinking about where we are on this journey. Come on, I'm going to have you play. And just use this time to reflect. If, if, you, if you know you're moldable in the hands of the Lord, rejoice. Thank God for that. But if, if you've been come, become hard or there's some hard things and you don't understand, talk to him. And spend this time, what would God want you to do as a result of what you've heard this morning? Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.